ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right. We're talking about Skinamarink on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from In This House. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of 2022-23's Skinamarink somehow in the hopes that an abandoned child's untimely stabbing in the eye is just the beginning of the jokes we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to help me look under the bed and not abandon me when I fall down the stairs. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good. We're just we're just two little two little tiny pairs of legs. Just, just <laughs> running running around a darkened house together watching watching uh, that old uh, uh, Balloon Land cartoon that that was made famous in the Pee Wee Herman show. Yes, uh, every every cartoon possible in the public domain is splashed upon the screen in this uh, particular cinematic offering. Um, what, was there a childhood cartoon that unnerved you growing up? Yes, uh, I actually wrote about this um, for Daily Grindhouse some years ago. Uh, it was the uh, the Duck Tracy episode oh, sure. of uh, of uh, Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. uh, where he basically goes to like this alternate city and <laughs> meets like like I didn't know I I kind of knew what Dick Tracy was sure. Uh, but I didn't really have a familiarity with the 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 kind of mutated villains, mm-hmm. <laughs> and when when da- Daffy Duck runs into like neon noodle flat top, mm-hmm. uh, all these different. I think he, he there's like a werewolf. Yeah, uh, there's all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, and it's really creepy the way the way it's done, and that he like kills them all. <laughs> well, they're given that noir shadow treatment where yeah, and, and, and they're kind and, and it's like like and they're kind of ugly oh, and, yeah. and, and very creepy, and that really used to like like freak me out when I was a kid. It's so tonally different than a lot of uh, Looney Tunes that. It is like genuinely unnerving and it brings across that thing that eventually comes to life in, in, in live action in the Dick Tracy movie um, that these are grotesqueries. They're not just criminals. They're physically deformed and they are also the only people in town who are that physically deformed. No one else has this problem. But as soon as you join a gang, your head blows up like a balloon and becomes a prude. It just... <laughs> like your face just melts. Yeah, your, <laughs> I don't know what happens. Your face <laughs> fucking melts. You like your initiation isn't to like beat up somebody in town like in the Batman. You have to dip your head in acid and then like ah, you're one of us. <laughs> We're gonna back over your face with our car. <laughs> just smush you, put put you in the Play-Doh factory and, and work on you for a little while. And I'll, did you see the Dick Tracy Skypes in? 
thing on. I <laughs> did not watch it. I, I, uh, our good friend Megan uh, uh, sent me a clip. She's, have you seen this? I'm like, no. The lengths <laughs> this man I, I, will I, I, go I, to to hold on to the rights to Dick Tracy and never I, I, make a movie. He just, it's this is the ultimate fucking fuck you. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be. I know he has a, in his will that like Annette's got to bury him with like the contract right. like, with the rights to Dick Tracy. Like it's gonna broadcast something from the from the fucking grave. <laughs> the, <laughs> it's a hologram, Warren Beatty. Don't right. listen, you assholes. Don't even think about it. In the in this yellow trench coat, this like okayish movie from 1990. Is, for some reason, when he has to hold on to fuck you, shampoo. You're nothing to me. Everything is Dick Tracy. Now I am all for royal fuck yous to corporate behemoths the flip side of this is that the family of the creator of dick tracy um is not allowed to profit at all from this motion picture or the future rights of it for someone to do anything with it because he's squatting on those rights by uh, you know <laughs> beaming into tcm every 25 years <laughs> He's just like he's just like sitting at home in the Hollywood Hills, like pulling out that that agreement out of his pocket and looking at it like Bilbo with the one ring, <laughs> just gleefully flipping it in the air and putting it back in his pocket. It's you and me, Hammerhead, till the end of time. <laughs> uh, it's just it's such a weird thing to decide. Like I need to control the fate of this when you know. It, like he was too old to be Dick Tracy when he made Dick Tracy. And now yeah, he's just tap. so old to be Dick Tracy. It's not even fun. And he's not even trying to be Dick Tracy. It's just, he shows up in a coat and hat. It's like, Hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like someone's dad who like, you know, uh, what do I, what do I dress up as for this, uh, this, this, this Halloween party? Oh, just uh, put on this yellow bathrobe. Just tell me you're Dick Tracy. I don't know. Put on that goofy fedora you had that you got from the Chicago mob restaurant we went to and, you know, <laughs> pretend to be Dick Tracy. Look at your watch and talk to it, <laughs> which is the craziest <laughs> fucking thing because no one will ever have a watch they can look at and talk to. So, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a fucking weirdo. All right. What were we talking about again? Oh, Skinamarink. Skinamarink is a movie. It definitely is for sure. Uh, a movie created um, by a, a, a director from Canada who had had a YouTube channel for like over five years named Kyle Edward Ball. And his bit was, um, you write in to me and tell me what your, your main, that childhood nightmare that you can't get out of your head. That is just, that scarred you, right? Your kinder trauma. And I will try to recreate it on my channel. And these are all like five to 10-ish minutes long. And he has a very long history of them. He, he's, he's built up a, a visual library of, you know, how he brings across these nightmares. And then his goal that he set for himself is, I'm going to try to make a movie out of this. And before we get, uh, there's hard to give spoilers to this. 
No, there's like, I mean, like everybody knows at this point, this movie's been out about two months now. Yeah. Um, and you know, the debate has been hot as, as, as it always is. Um, you know, the, the most, you know, predominant complaint about Skin of and and I have the impression going in that I, I like this considerably better than you did. Um, but the the predominant complaint is that nothing happens in it. Um, yeah. And that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I will not argue the point that there is little to no action in this movie. Uh, it just kind of ends. Uh, we are not given any sort of explanation as to what happens, what, what has happened to any of the adults in this situation. Mm-hmm. They have simply disappeared. Yeah. Uh, I think that the kids' mothers have died at some point, but this is before before everything has happened. the The father just sort of you know we don't know. That's the point. We don't know what happens to him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean to you know to tell you nothing happens is not a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, because you know that's what the primary debate about is an hour and a half of just vibing basically. And yes, this is. Uh, there's two words that can aptly describe what this film is. A, it's an experiment. It's an experiment to see if it works on you. And B, it's vibes. Um, it's not pleasant vibes, but it's vibes. You're either vibing with this or you are not. And so as a result, its effect on you is really dependent on both how you see it and the attitude you bring to it. If you're bringing to it, I've heard this is the scariest experience of all time and I'm just going to be scared out of my wits and I can't wait for the craziness to ensue. I think you're going into this with the wrong expectations. It's it's definitely been a bit oversold. Yeah. Uh, I I found this movie unsettling at times. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was never—I was never at any point like terrified. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think that what it does very well, uh, and, and I wrote about this in my review of it, um, and on, and also on my newsletter, uh, it, it captures the way kids. You know, imaginations work. Right. Where yeah. you know, at the right time in the middle of the night when you know the shadows are falling just so you know your own house can look like a very menacing place absolutely uh you know where you are like kind of disoriented from you know just being woken up out of sleep Mm -hmm. or you can't sleep and like everything just seems wrong yes and and i think that it, it does a a a good job of that and if you are able to go back to that point in your own life when you were a child and, you know, uh, you had to leave your closet door open or closed because you thought there was something in there. It, it's, it, it, it captures that well. Right. It's, it's the big three of being a kid. It's being alone because you're not left alone often as a child. So that is a great unknown issue for you. Two, the dark. You cannot see everything, which is wrong and bad. Because as a child, you should be able to see everything. So being in the dark is already a massive problem. And three, imaginary monsters. 
what is under my bed, what is inside the closet, what is down the hall. And I can't see it because it's dark and no one is here to help me. I'm alone. Those are the three primary triangle points of Skinnamarink. And the entire experiment is to see our what, if you can call him a main character, Kevin, um, how he reacts, adapts, and overcomes, but not really, succumbs to whatever is removing him from real life. And you can read that as just a straight-up nightmare interpretation. You can add, okay, is this a um, an imaginative way to put abandonment, abuse, divorce, any of those things that can be traumatic as a child, you can easily put an overlay on this and go, this represents X. <laughs> and it does it pretty damn well. Whether or not it affects you is truly how you come to it and whether or not it puts you under that spell. I don't believe this movie can put everyone under its spell. It's just not that, uh, that wholly universal a fit. And the other thing is, if you're watching it at home, you either have to watch it on the biggest screen you have and a very good sound system. Or if you're watching it on a on a computer or iPad sort of situation, you need to have headphones on that are that have a nice surround to them and turn them way the fuck up because you will just get distracted otherwise. Yeah, I was I was very lucky that I actually had a screener of it. Mm -hmm. Um and miraculously a lot of screeners don't unfortunately, uh but this one did. It had uh closed captioning. Yeah. Uh which is good because I'm just basically using like regular like the same headphones I use to listen to music on my phone. Yeah. Uh and so there are points where I'm like if if I didn't have the 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 uh the captions I would have missed a lot of it. Um yeah. because it's this is very, very lo-fi. Yes. And, and and there's a lot of ambient noise. Uh, you know, presumably much of it on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um because it does remind you also that uh no house is completely silent. Yeah. Um, you know, you've always got the sound of, you know, electricity humming. Uh if you've got like a furnace, you've got the sound of that. Uh, you know, you've just got you know, one of the things that reminded me of was I would often as a child, you know, because my home life was fairly chaotic, I would stay at my grandparents' house a lot. And they lived in a whole in an older house. And so, you know, at nighttime, there would be a lot of, you know, a lot of creaking, a lot of groaning. And like my, my grandmother would be like, oh, that's just the house settling. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I never really understood what that meant. Um, <laughs> and I, that wasn't particularly comforting because it made it feel like the house was alive. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, I don't want to think of the house as being alive because I am inside of it. <laughs> so like, what does that mean in this context? You know, I mean, but so yeah, I mean no, I mean your house is pretty new, but I oh, bet that no, no, just... this house was built in 1952. Oh, it's... was it? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I got the impression that it was like sometime in the past 30 years, oh, but no, no, but no. but you know, even still, I'm sure that you could just the house just makes weird noises sometimes, yeah. and it's like it's a oh, post and just... beam in California, you know, like <laughs> it has more windows than it does have walls. It it really does shift during the windstorm last night. <laughs> 
because we were having 60 mile an hour gusts here. Um, you can feel every single one of them. I am jamming chairs up against uh, our doors. We have these, uh, what they're called Cliff May doors, um, because they have four panels of single pane windows. And <laughs> so this house is about aesthetics and not efficiency. We bleed heat when we have the heat on, we bleed cool when it's summer. And it, you, the great thing about it is you can swing them open in, in spring and fall, and it's like the outdoors are your living room. And the bad news about that is when it's bad weather, whether it's too hot or too cold, you feel every fucking inch of it. These houses are alive in many senses. And I think this is the personification of that in the sense that they, Kevin and Kaylee wake up to find there are no doors and no windows to this home. They are being eaten alive, essentially, by this house. So it is possible you could also add in the suffocation element of being in a family that there's no way out of it if you feel like, I don't feel comfortable within this family situation. There, there's a lot going on in this very not, not not much happens type of movie. Yeah, I do. I do like that. I, I appreciate that a movie is you know willing to kind of let the audience apply their own uh, uh, interpretation. Right. Yeah. To it. You know, I, 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 then that's I think one of the you know most difficult parts about being a movie fan nowadays is how you have all of these, you know, you know, X explained movie yeah. you know, videos on YouTube. Uh, like uh, the, the, the movie cocaine bear is coming out the weekend that we're recording this. <laughs> sure, yeah. And, um, and there's the guy that the Scott Sice, the TikTok guy who you know, through his videos became, has become a minor celebrity to the point where he is, has a presumably small part in, 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 cocaine bear but he made a video based promoting it and say oh you won't see any cocaine bear ending explained videos on youtube like yeah you will you uh, you 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 absolutely will because people think that everybody needs needs the ending of every movie and the you know the, the very specific meaning of it explained to them and it's like it's okay to to let people project whatever they want onto the meaning of a movie, like what they think happens in it. I, I think that it's fine to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the difference between a, an examination of a subject, a rumination, uh, taking in a film and go, how does this apply to me? How could this apply universally? Examining what the contents of the film is and, um, and, and, and taking that information in and going, what did, how did I feel? What did this evoke in me? What were my emotions? Uh, how did I emotionally react to it? Or just blatant SEO hunting, which is something uh, I, this podcast in particular has never been built to do. <laughs> We've never, no, we're just all over the place. We're all over the place. Like we don't, we don't, I would love to be able to plan in such a way that I'm hitting on the anniversaries of various movies so I can profit off of them because people are looking them up more often because it's the 20th anniversary of X. We've just never been able to do that. It's just, it doesn't feel like that's what we, we talk about what we fucking want to talk about. 
And so if we're covering a lot of older junk, that's what we talk about. We're covering a lot of newer junk. That's what we're talking about. But it's always just what feels like what we want to talk about. And you suggested this and my initial reaction was, but how would we talk about, how would we talk about it? Well, yeah. And I'd like to do, you know, from, and not from the angle of of bashing it because Mm -hmm. it is, you know, it is funny to me to see the, who you, the people that don't actually like it are very angry about it. Like they, they, they feel like they were misled in some way. about That is wild to me because literally every horror movie is trying to tell you this is the experience that's going to scare the pains off of you or, you know, whatever. Of course. I mean, no, no, no horror movie is going to be like, eh, (laughs) we should try to market. If we can, you know, convince people that we're horror experts to a certain point, go up to a student and go, all right, here's the play. Um, Now uh, the knife that stabs is it's fine. (laughs) Like it's okay. It's, you know, it's not very scary. You know, like, it, you like listen, it's a great, if you want to sit in a room and eat popcorn, this is something you could do it to. Like, come on down to the Cineplex and pay your 14 to $28, depending on what part of the country you're in, and eat popcorn while watching The Knife That Stabs, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the, uh, one of my all-time favorite horror movie trailers is um, an extremely coked out Stephen King promoting maximum overdrive. Yes. It's like, I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And then like a guy just you know, takes a soda can, the balls. <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the best part of that movie. True. I, like, that I, is, I guess that's scary. I mean, that's the thing. Like it, it I've always said, because I work in TV, like the, your pilot episode should never be your best hour or half hour of television. It just, it should always move upward from there. Like, it's great if you have a great pilot. That's really cool. You you sold your show. It got on network or whatever. It got bought. Um, hopefully it stays on air, which now seems to be a problem. But Ultimately, you want to go up from there. A trailer is the same thing. It's good. It's great to have a good trailer, but you don't want the trailer to become the best thing about your movie. Like the alien trailer, in my mind, is the world's best movie trailer. And it's great. And I watch it just sometimes just to watch it, just to be inspired. But Alien is just as good a movie if that, if not better. Whereas um I think Skinnamarink is a really great trailer and it's very effective at pushing a particular vibe out to people. And I think they geared themselves up for a flashier, more uh, a flashier experience when really it's about immersion. Can you sink into its vibe and let it carry you somewhere? And, um, you know, whether or not it does really comes down to whether or not it works for you. It's an experiment in that way. And I think that is refreshing in many uh, respects. You have to be really open to, and and I realize that the, this is a hard thing for a lot of horror fans, God yeah. bless them. But you you have to be open to, to a new way of looking at, at horror that not everything has to be in your face, you know, you, you, 
starting right off from a you know a a 10 and only going stronger from there yeah you know that that it's okay for a horror movie to actually be about something else that you know there's there's really no appreciable difference between elevated horror and any other kind of horror is just a person's interpretation of what happens in it. And I, I think that because so much of the success of Skinnamarink relies on being able to kind of go inward and look at a, you know, go back to a point when you were a child and, you know, very easily, you know, suggestible to things. And a lot of people would love, love to claim that they were never, they were never scared of things when they were kids. That, Lies. that Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, they cannot, they cannot or won't go back to that. point. I was, when I was a kid, I was the biggest pussy you'd ever be in your entire life. Like, well, I think it's a very really common blessed. reaction amongst horror people. Cause like we've talked about it on the show. Like the pink Panther theme scared me as a child. That's how fucking just, uh, just a complete wuss I was at that age that something could get into my head and completely twist itself into something that is different than its original intention. And uh, what it comes down to it is I am much happier to live in a world that has both has Skinnamarink, We Have a Ghost, and Terrifier 2 and Barbarian in it. I want yeah. the breadth. I want all the subsections of horror. Not all, not everything's going to work for me at every length, but I would much rather have that wide variety, that sort of variety that you ended up having in the 80s after the slasher boom when everyone's like, people love horror, but they're kind of over this one thing. So how do I do that but different? And you've got a lot of weird experiments, a lot of genre expansions out of this and in the 70s there's the that neorealism movement and then you have the italian giallo turning into nightmare horror and all that stuff is not giving you a standard this is what a horror movie is and i think we all benefit from having a wider palette but there's always going to be those people who are like no horror is this one thing and God love them. I, I, uh, I don't enjoy that conversation. It just doesn't feel interesting to me. It feels gatekeepy. It feels like you like horror simply to tell people you like horror. You don't actually like what it is. Right. I can, uh, I think I can beat you on the pink Panther thing. I have okay. two, two things from when I was a child that, that, to this day, I, I don't, well, no, the one I do understand. The okay. other one I've never been able to understand. Sure, go for it. Uh, but two things that I was very scared of that had no relation to anything horror related. Um, I There used to be a, a series of commercials for the dog food brand Mighty Dog. Okay. Um, <laughs> That uh, you're already laughing a little bit. Oh, no, I'm, I'm on the edge of my fucking seat, Gina. I cannot, I cannot wait to find out what this is. So they would show a can of dog food and they would brand the dog food with like the, the mighty dog logo. Sure. Yes. And for some reason in my little five or six year old brain uh-huh. i thought that they were branding a dog <laughs> 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 and 
every time this commercial came on, like I would just like begin to wail, like, why are they hurting the dog? <laughs> because it would it would you know it would be you know it would show a happy little dog and then this close-up of like something brown mm. that I, I did not connect to is oh that's a can it's an open can of dog food. Right, yeah. And then branding it. And I, you know, I, I somehow knew what branding meant. But well, you'd seen the opening of Bonanza. You knew something. Yeah, that. I noticed that in I know knew that involved like like fire. Right. And I was like, oh my God, they're burning the dog. Why? Yeah. And and like for a very long time this would just deeply upset me. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is, uh, do you remember the song Dreamweaver? Of course, yes. Yeah. Okay. So there is, it's not always the version played on the radio, but sometimes, but there is, uh, in, in, the, in the actual album cut of this, there is a very long outro that sort of sounds like this weird kind of space music. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it was so eerie to me as, as a kid because it kind of like, I, I realize it's supposed to give you the impression of just kind of peacefully floating through space. Yes. I mean, you're presumably, in the, presumably in the while you're of love, right. Presumably while you're, space. presumably while you're like stoned or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, but, but like I, it would be very eerie to me when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And, and I just, I like, mm, I don't like this. Like, like it, it's like, it reminded me just being kind of stuck in the dark yeah. and, and, and like, I was like, okay, this is not, comforting to me this is this is this is bothering me and, alone and, the dark yeah, imaginary exactly. monsters just kind of floating and yeah. it's like mm, no i don't like this and even yeah. now like if i not that i've heard dreamweaver lately but but you know it, it the last time i was like oh yeah that kind of still the back the hair in the back of my neck are still kind of racing right. far, you know it's like my, but yeah so there you go yeah no no this that makes perfect sense okay so the Pink Panther is my big one. The there are two others. Uh, one is existential, and the other is just weird. The existential one is the concept of God. I find the concept of God unnerving, and in and how it was presenting to me as a young Mormon kid. Here is this guy who is observing not only everything that happens on Earth, but everything that is also happening in your heart. Gina. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, dude, I'm ca- I'm, I was raised Catholic. I totally get yeah. that. Like, this is a fucking wild-ass concept. That this guy, it, it, God, I know you're listening because you listen to all podcasts because you're a big <laughs> podcast fan. So here we go. As far as, like, a marketing uh, materials go, the concept that you are going to ignore all this heinous fucking shit, like, that the, a train can derail in the middle of Ohio and pollute an entire neighborhood, destroy people's lives. And you're like, well, shit happens, but I don't know. You feel jealousy to your neighbor in your heart, Patrick Hamilton. <laughs> it's like, that's fucking wild to me. I'm sorry. That is scary as shit that you're constantly looking over my my shoulder like a goddamn stalker. Get your own life, God. So there's that. <laughs> This is how I did not end up remaining in the Mormon church. Uh, The second is, which is also church related, strangely enough, the prairie. Because growing up in the Mormon church, you're 
told constantly about the pioneers, the pioneers who traveled across the prairie, the harshest conditions known to man to find a spot that's all their own. And so the prairie was a a place of hardship. The prairie was where people starved to death. The prairie was full of danger. The prairie was full of the unknown. Well, the prairie fucking sucks as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) That sounds terrible. It's like, that doesn't sound like much of a promised land to me. No, and not to mention, let's get to the point where Brigham Young finally shows up and and looks at this valley and goes, this is the place. And what they don't tell you is Brigham Young thought that was California. He thought Utah was California. And you're following this fucking religion. Granted, if you're if if you feel the spirit in your heart and this brings you joy and you're doing no harm to anyone else, that's fine. Be a part of the Mormon church. Enjoy that $32 billion that they've kept secret from not only their their parishioners, but from the federal government in a slush fund that they just continue to make money on. Go for it. It's all you, but I'm not going back to the fucking prairie, okay? Fuck that noise. Um, so, yeah, those are my childhood fears beyond the Pink Panther. Uh, we also had uh, crocheted clown pictures in my bedroom growing Ooh. up, and I was not a fan of those at all. I did not like closets. Yeah. Uh, I did not like sleeping with my bedroom door closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not like sleeping in silence. Uh, I always had to, I mean, that's actually still true for me now. I usually still have to have like a, like a white noise. I mean, it's partially because I live in an apartment building that I could hear everything going on at all times. Uh, But I used to uh, have to sleep with like a radio on. Um, Like it's like, yeah, I was a very, very fretful child. I literally believed in alligators in the sewer. Um, Mm going you know bringing up religion again uh i was catholic and watching the exorcist had a very big effect on me mm-hmm. uh, and that term turned me into a a very superstitious child uh that would let's see um what superstitions did i believe in oh you know the whole don't step on cracks sure sure because you break your mama's back mm-hmm. um that you had to keep your mouth closed uh, when passing a cemetery because otherwise the ghosts would get inside of you. <laughs> or, or, Can you imagine? Your ghost, and you're like, oh, look, that six-year-old's got the mouth open. I got to get out of here. I'm sick of you dead people. I'm talking exactly. that six-year-old. Oh, shit, hurry up, go up. Shit. Go, 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 go. <laughs> like there's a fucking bum rush of ghouls trying to force their way down. Just launching at me like a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> Cram your ass in there. Come on, do it. <laughs> there was the, those are the big ones for me. I'm sure yeah. there are others I forget, but I was very... Constantly on, and also because I had anxiety disorder. Here's, so. <laughs> here's a genuinely weird one for me that just flashed in my head. I'm like, yeah, of course. The Matterhorn at Disneyland. The Matterhorn at Disneyland scared the fuck out of me. Now, I would go in the Haunted Mansion. I thought that was great. Uh, I would do, you know, Space Mountain, uh, any of the other rides there, but the Matterhorn was not something I was okay with. Primarily because you walk nearby it 
And it's got the howling, like, of the wind whistling through the gaping hole in it at the time, because you could, you could ride this, you know, the cable car through it. And so you would get a sense of what was inside the Matterhorn, which at a certain point became, they had uh, put Yeti inside of it. (laughs) I was like, fuck now. Now it howls at me and there are Yeti loose in this motherfucker? No way. And so finally, I think it was like eight or nine by the time I got in it. And I was like, oh, oh, it's, it's just it's just a very rickety roller coaster. <laughs> okay, I'm fine with this. Uh, but I was convinced that that was that that was terrifying. And the second Disneyland related one was the Country Bear Jamboree had one song where this guy would uh, this <laughs> this older bear <laughs> would come out and sing this lonesome song about blood on the saddle go by um and uh, it is uh blood on the saddle <laughs> i was like holy what the fuck is that what is what is this bear singing about? <laughs> did the bear kill someone what the, a that bear's riding a horse b he's seen other bear on horses <laughs> It seemed a bear died on a horse and left behind blood on it. And it's just a terrifying proposition. There's just everything else about that show is fantastic. I mean, they make fun of the fact that he's bringing the show down. Uh, Not that the country bear jamboree exists at Disneyland anymore. I believe it's still available in Disney world. And when we took Oliver to it, he was like, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, it is weird. It's, It's a weird thing that that happens and it continues to happen. But, you know, it's no tiki 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 room, which is just basically uh, cultural stereotypes um, <laughs> exploiting the Poly- Polynesian culture. <laughs> but yeah, like Skinnerberry took me to back to a time where I was terrified to go in the second floor of my grandparents' house. Sure. Uh, which was pretty inconvenient because that's where the bathroom was. <laughs> <laughs> they had no bathroom on the first floor of their home? No, just up on the second floor. It oh, was that a, is just it, bad it, planning, it, Gina. It, it, it was just like a, it was a row home. Um, okay. Which is, you know, a very common thing in the Philadelphia, South Jersey area. Sure, sure. So, like, yeah, if you needed to use the restroom, you had to go upstairs. And mm. um, so, like, remember, remember, um, oh, who was it? Was it Martin, ba- Martin Balsam in Psycho? Mm-hmm. Remember when he's, like, precarious, he's, like, very cautiously going up the stairs mm-hmm. you know trying to you know see if mrs bates is there yeah that was that was me every time i would like to go to the bathroom at my grandparents house. <laughs> i like i just there was something very creepy and unknowable about like my other grandparents house was like i basically had like the run of the house i could go in whatever room i wanted no one mm-hmm. cared and and but like my grand my other grandparents the things were a little more locked down there and and you know, when you're a kid, if someone tells you, you know, don't go in that room, yeah, it's either something's very exciting in there or something's very scary in there. Right. Yeah. Like, depending on your frame of mind, you might be thinking, oh, they might be they're hiding presents for me in there. Sure. And or, you know, or others, you know, another frame of mind would be, oh, maybe there's like a dead guy in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> or maybe there's a not dead guy in there, which is even worse. <laughs> But yeah, so I would go like 
upstairs to my, my the restroom my grandparents ha- house and mm-hmm. they were like now grant this was the, the house my my father grew up in right so i mean clearly you know he was alive yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not alive anymore <laughs> but I, I don't think the house killed him <laughs> uh, or, or or did it i'll never or, know or, yeah it had a long-standing grudge and just waited bided its time it's possible yeah it, it pulled itself out of the ground <laughs> And, so him and passing by a cemetery, jumped went, down his throat. A, exactly. Went a hundred <laughs> miles down to where he was living at the time and killed him. <laughs> um, but uh, like, uh, you know, all the rooms, all the doors, the rooms would be closed. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, okay. So this is a real door number one, door number two, door number three, which is the you know, least horrifying deaths for me situation. Right. And you know, I, I you know go to the bathroom as fast as I could, and then run back down the stairs. And I was an embarrassed, embarrassingly old age before I stopped being nervous about going upstairs there. Um, yeah, I, I'll be, I the first house that we have, I barely remember, and then I think we moved to the to the second house um, when I was four. Uh, so that's primarily the house that I grew up in. It was a a two story Spanish style, and had a a a staircase that um, was a, a short L. Uh, the return at the very bottom was only three steps, um, but the stairs that went up to the second floor, where all the bedrooms were, was pretty long. Um, and at night the living room would be very dark if you were to look down the stairs to where the living room is. It would just be, we just didn't have a lot of street lights on our street growing up. It was just very dark. Whereas if you looked out the window, you would see the lights of, uh, you know, the golf course and the homes that were being built on the house above the, the, the sort of Glendale country club. Um, I didn't live on the country club. That was just the biggest light source you could say. Um, I lived near an abandoned tw- uh, Century 21 real estate office. <laughs> that was that was the side of the street I grew up on. It was a perfectly nice neighborhood. Um, but uh, you just, everything was very, very dark and gloomy. And when I first landed in that bedroom, I was the only one there uh, for the first year until Casey was born. And even then he wasn't stationed in my room for a little while. So I had a room that was roughly the size of my parents' master, but it would eventually be filled with my two brothers. So there was a lot of space that got increasingly smaller, smaller, shorter, shorter, you're in a cubby <laughs> your what your room is 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 your bed and a desk that you keep a large stereo on so you can listen to k-day rap in the afternoon and that's that's how you live your life um so my house got smaller and smaller and smaller and it feels like it to bring it back to skinnamarink the the people around kevin keep disappearing and he's left with this unknowable entity that kind of runs his life and doesn't allow him to have an experience, actual enjoyment. It's everything's gloomy to the point where he eventually asks when he's finally alone with this, whatever this is, can we watch something happy today? Because he's sick of the shitty cartoon. <laughs> And the and he's told no. <laughs> this is what life is. 
It's right. right, kid. Like, a chemist supposed to be like four, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another interesting approach that uh, Kyle Everball took, in, and also you know kind of tinges the the viewer's experience and requires them to be a little open minded to to what they are seeing. Mm-hmm. Is everything that's happening is from the perspective of a four year old, right? Which is the same age as my niece, so. That that as well made it an interesting experience for me because yeah, of course, looking into a a pitch black doorway would be scary for a a small child. Yeah, and I know that's one of the things people you know most gripe about is this very long static shot of of a a a completely dark doorway, and there's so much grain on the film that you can make your eyes can see something there if you if you really want them to do, do, mm-hmm. do, do you know what i mean you could see yeah. like shapes forming in the in the static now whether they're not whether or not they're really there or it's your mind kind of applying it i don't think that really matters no you know i think that's all in what you are willing to let yourself see yeah and to see how easy it would be to convince yourself yes there is something there which you know, for a child, that's you know, I like I am very old, but <laughs> I am not so old that I don't remember what that was like. Yes, if you are imaginative, that imagination has many, many pluses, and it comes with a couple minuses. You can see things that aren't there. Your mind can run away with you, and you are left with the feeling that something is creeping around any old corner. That's a, a very real, you know, uh, circumstance for children's imaginations. And I think that's the part that works the best here is it's really playing on that level. Whether or not you want to engage with it is kind of up to the viewer. So when I hear people really enjoy it, I'm like, that makes sense. And when I hear people very frustrated with it, that they couldn't get into it, that it just didn't grab them. I'm like, that also makes sense. It just, that is, that is what it is. You, you, you can either engage with it or, or not engage with it. And your, the results are going to vary. Um, but also, isn't it, isn't it a wonderful thing that we're seeing so much new and interesting things like, yeah. like, like last night I, I watched the outwaters, sure. which, which like Skinnerink you know, it starts out and my, my emphasis there is starts out as uh, just a vibe, like, mm-hmm. you know, a full hour of not much happening, but with the outwaters, like it's basically, I hate to use the phrase roller coaster ride because that's such a cliche at this point, but the, the movie, the first half of the movie does feel like you're kind of just holding, you know, at the top of, you know, a roller coaster waiting for something to happen. And then all of a sudden it just, it's not even a roll. It just like then turns into like the tower of terror where you just like, just, <laughs> just drop. And, and then after that point, it's like, what the fuck's going, what's happening? What the fuck's happening? And it's like, and it's, it really just goes nuts. Like it goes from like zero to 20, like in like a matter of a few minutes. And again, I feel like, people are going to complain because not much is explained. Uh, you know, by the time it ends, you, you really still don't know what has happened or why any of it happened. 
but it's so intense and so over the top that, you know, if you just let yourself go and not worry about, you know, trying to figure out what's happening, that it becomes this really incredible experience. And for that one, I 100% right. You have to, you have to wear headphones. I, I, absolutely. I, yeah. Cause the sound design in it is incredible. See, that's another one of those where the trailer really unnerved me. Whether or not the movie actually becomes what I've somewhat invented as a plot in my head is to be debated. Um, but I was genuinely unnerved by what I saw. But I think there's a a real experimental phase happening in horror right now that's very exciting that people are trying to take it in different directions. Certainly, uh, Outwaters is a real shift in terms of found footage it's try it's using found footage which is now a very established genre it is not new on the scene anymore and going where where's where can i take this in a new direction skin and Marink has some of that same feel it's got the aesthetics of found footage but no one's carrying a camera you're just it's locking you in a pov which is very unnatural everything is either shot from below, like you're a very short child, or shot at an angle that is unnatural. That's what has common. And then on TikTok, you have the liminal space horror movement happening, where there's this 19-year-old kid who just got um, hired to make, uh, basically expand on the liminal space back room series that he has on TikTok, which is very, it's profoundly disturbing. I don't know if it's going to work on mass audiences, but it's definitely a, an aesthetic he's established. And also on TikTok, just in the last two weeks, there's been this don't look at your doppelganger horror thing that's happening where there's a sound that's like, if you see somebody who looks like you do not engage with them, just run. And it's always like a person going, what's over in that corner? And then them making the goofiest fucking face possible (laughs) with shiny eyes. And you're like, that's dumb. But also, I keep thinking about it. (laughs) Like, whether or not the execution works, the idea starts to creep into your head. Like, can you make a movie out of that? I don't, I mean, people have genuinely actually made movies out of this. So it's not to say that you can't, but- Horror is where you experiment. Horror is where you try something different. And if you cede control to something, I think you get a better experience out of it. But horror is also one of those places where people, and I definitely saw this when I worked at Halloween Horror Nights, where they, they would get scared by something and go, no, I'm taking control back and I'm striking you the hired performer in makeup because you dared make me look like a child and you're like fuck man you came here to experience not normal life stop trying to drag your normal ass shit into the fun house that we're having here um like this is a place to be scared but not have any harm come to you and I think for a lot of people, for a variety of reasons, whether they're they're dumb like that, like I don't want to look, I don't want to look weak in front of my girlfriend, sort of shit, which I saw a lot uh, because I'm drinking too much, or it's just like um, I just don't feel comfortable releasing my control over my imagination over to this 
And then I'm not, I'm not going to have a very good time. Like you, you do have to, I think, work on that and allow yourself to experience whatever it is, whether or not it works for you after that fact, at least you believed in the illusion enough that the proscenium went away and you engaged with the art emotionally. Yeah. Two, two things that made me much happier uh, that, I, that I gave up that made me much happier as a person was uh, worrying about whether or not I looked cool. Yeah. Because I know I am not cool. Uh, there, there might have been a brief time, maybe around like 1993, yeah. that, that that I was briefly cool, but, I, <laughs> but that did not last, and I never got that. I never got that moment back. Uh, and also, not being afraid to admit that that you know I am an easily scared person, yeah, uh, and I am an easily entertained person. So you know, it, it does not take a lot for me to watch a movie and say, you know, yeah, that that did what it said on the tin. You yeah. know, I mean, like, like, you know, I, again, I is skin rink a little bit oversold. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, but also all movies are a little oversold. Sure. You know, that's, I mean, that's a component you know, of marketing. That's how I make my bones. Right. You know, you all, all movies, you know, I mean, every movie that Stephen King watches is the scariest movie he's ever seen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, come on, Uncle Steve. Come on, Dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that cannot be the scariest movie you've ever seen. You said that two weeks ago about the last movie you watched. You know, yeah. I mean, but, you know, it's, I, I think, as far as hyperbole goes, positive hyperbole is always better than negative hyperbole. Yeah. Where I would rather hear somebody say, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And oh my God, I was up for days thinking about this. Then, oh my God, this, you know, this movie is so bad. It dug out my grandmother and, and shit in her mouth. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, come on, man. You know, what is I mean, the thing with you and dead people going in your mouth? Because this is now a fight. <laughs> You really need to examine this. Yeah, that probably is something I need to discuss with a therapist <laughs> at some point. But, but I also I don't say that though. I mean, with yeah. you know, with if a scary movie, if a horror movie does not work for me, I rely on that optimal phrase for me. Yeah, and I have said before that as much as we have you know sliced and diced and julienned many slasher movies on this podcast. I don't personally find most of them very scary. No. I, I find them entertaining. You know, they're certainly, you know, gross, but like, have I ever spent much time worrying that like Jason Voorhees was going to come get me in the woods? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, 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 the original depiction of Michael Myers. Uh, yeah. Because again, you know, the, the ran, the randomness of selecting his victims which was something that, you know, after that point, the movies, the subsequent movies all did away with. Yeah. Which, you know, ruined, for me at least, the scariest aspect of it. Uh, you know, it's like, well, okay, well, I don't have to worry about Michael Myers anymore because as far as I know, I don't have any long-lost brothers that are going to, like, <laughs> just show up in town one day and, and decide to try to kill me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Freddy Krueger, you know, but that's a personal thing with me because I have long had a history of sleeping problems. But as we discussed several times over when we did the Nightmare on Elm Street series, when he became fun Freddy, wacky yeah. Freddy, you know, then he wasn't scary to me anymore. But, you know, I know that people, but I would never, you know, look at slasher movies and say, well, those aren't horror movies because they don't scare me. Right. You know, no, those are definitely horror movies and i do enjoy watching them for the most part i just don't find them scary uh but you know it's uh, you know it's people forget that this is such a, a personal thing and people apply so much of their own 
emotional shit. Like mm-hmm. you and I are going to get a lot more out of religious themed movies than you know any some people who are who like my daughter was not raised with any sort of any sort of organized religion. So let's look like the exorcist. It's not really going to move her. I don't think. Whereas for me, it still remains the scariest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and so I, when other people say, Oh, I wasn't scared by that. I'm like, really? And it's like, Oh, all right. I guess some people just don't, you know, it doesn't hit them on that very personal level, you know, where they wondered that they've wondered at some point in their lives if demons might be real. Or right. not, you know what I mean? So, it's not but a yeah. possibility. You haven't been told like evil is a genuine, you know, physical thing that is out to get you. Right. And it, that's meant to scare you into compliance. And when you see that, you know, realized on screen, that has a profound effect on you. Whereas if you don't believe that you that is not a core component that is built into a, a belief system, it can come off as fucking goofy. It just can. That's a real thing. Yeah, like uh, somebody pointed out that they thought that the scene in The Exorcist where uh, the the uh, the Virgin Mary statue is defiled, they, they think it's funny. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's horrifying. That's yeah. like, you know, what kind of like super demon is going to, you know, walk into a uh, into a church and like stick a plaster dick on the blessed mother you know i mean that's that's you know who does that <laughs> it's like, that's, that's not funny that's horrible uh i i just did let you know gina it's me it's jerry uh i'm that demon uh you can call jerry? me captain howdy but you we're on a personal basis my name is jerry and the thing is like uh everyone said oh you can't go into church and stick a plaster dick on the virgin mary and i'm like well watch me because i i don't like boundaries okay i like to push things right and i so like i got the plaster dick i got the time it's the middle of the night that fucking priest was asleep i was able to go in there and i was able to do all sorts of shit right I, you know everyone's telling me like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Well, I did it. Hello. I'm sitting in this 12 year old girl. Now this is how I masturbate. You know what I mean? That's, how, <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. Terry, you kept me, you kept me lose. You made me lose so much sleep when I was a child. You that's kind satisfied. of like my goal. I, I'll be honest with you. You're kind of like, Oh, how dare you do this? It's kind of my job. And everyone's like, Oh, but we have limits to our job. And I'm like, I think I can take this a little bit further. Like, <laughs> let's, let's see what we could do. And then these fucking priests come in. And when I was like, jump into me, I'm like, well, you know, you know me. I don't, I, I hate challenges. I don't like b- boundaries. I jump into him and he's like, fuck you. Let's go down these stairs. And then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> it's all fucking over. Like, I was having a lot of fun, to be honest. With and, you, all right? and then I wake up and I'm in Brad Dorf somehow. <laughs> Some fucking how I like wandered down the street and this serial killer is like, oh, I don't want to die. I'm like, well, I want to be in somebody. Let's let's uh, let's like lie down for a little while in a straitjacket. And then all of a sudden, George C. Scott comes into the room. And he's fucking yelling at me constantly. It was a whole fucking thing. Anyways, <laughs> gotta go. Bye. Gotta go, bye. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's the same voice as my cockroach voice, which is another character that does not come back. Just, just a seasoned old guy voice. <laughs> yes, right. Like every single character my son does is either like the like the sea life in in the cartoon he watched uh, as a child is either British or an, an, an or a, a hobo sea captain. <laughs> He's got two characters. <laughs> When he, when he, when, wait till the day he figures out how to combine the two. 
That's true. Well, uh, he, he's not skilled at, uh, he has genetically, he's not skilled in uh, accents. I don't know that he has the same component that, that Becky does. Like Becky can inhabit someone's voice. It's fucking crazy. So she's basically, so she's basically like Meryl Streep. In, in a way, yes. Because she can crawl, it, it, what made her a good groundling, it, what makes her a very good writer for what we do is she can see somebody, how somebody delivers something and just be in their voice. We, uh, not to tell tales out of school, we wrote for Dolly Parton this week and Steve Martin, like two very different voices. But she she could absolutely get inside the how Dolly Parton talks because she's seen 9 to 5. She's seen Dolly Parton in a ton of things. And you can kind of slip into a Dolly Parton cadence and it makes writing her so much easier. And so that is a specialized skill, which I am completely in awe of. But she can do this, like when she's telling stories about, uh, I went out to dinner with so-and-so, and she'll start to tell the story from that person's voice. She just slips into it. It's fucking incredible. God, I love that woman. She's so cool. I wish I could be her, but I the as close as I can get is to sleep next to her every night. It's uh, pretty awesome. I suggest everyone try it, but uh, not while I'm alive. Wait till uh. I'm dead. Jump in my throat, and then you can do it. Yeah, exactly. Just drive past the cemetery. You find out where <laughs> find out where Patrick is buried. Drive past and go. Ah! Oh. I just, I just, I just, Wait for him to say, hey, and go right back, and then, <laughs> Just, and then jump right in there. The whole uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 Ave Maria. <laughs> exactly. Uh, any other last words for Skin Marika movie we've definitely talked about for a full hour? Look, you, you know, read the reviews of it, you know, test the waters. You, you know what you like as a horror fan. Uh, you know, I, I am pretty pleased that I am open to a, a lot of things. I, I'm not super big on, like, heavy-duty gore. Like, yeah. I, I know at some point I should probably watch Terrifier 2 or, you know, Terrifier 1 for that matter. But everything I've heard about, I'm like, mm, mm. Now, see, there is a movie for me that's like, okay, well, nothing happens. You know, yeah. like, like, is there, is there a plot in here? You know, you know, or is it just like a clown running around, like tearing people's heads off and the tearing people's arms off them being the, the death with it, you know, because that's like, eh, I guess yeah, to me, it's a little bit like pornography where it's like, you know, I, I think this would be more enjoyable if there was actually a, a something pulling this all together rather than a, a series of just scenes. But again, I understand that there is a huge contingency of horror fans that love it, and I'm glad it exists for them. I, yeah. I would never say this is worthless, don't watch this. This, you know, brings down the genre. So, you know, if you're thinking about should I watch Skinamarink, again, look inward, you know, figure out what moves you, you know, can you go back like Patrick and I have and think about times when, totally innocuous things seem scary and wrong to you because again, th there's a jump scare in this movie involving one of those Fisher price chatter phones. <laughs> and, and to say that it sounds like the dumbest thing in the world, but you know, you can see, okay, I can see why this would be a little scary to someone, especially a child yeah. because the way he films it, the light, you know, kind of just falls on, you know, the little Google eyes and it does kind of look like just a pair of eyes just staring at you in the dark. And it's like, what the fuck is that? And then it's this chatter phone, which, 
everybody, you know, I, I said online, everybody born between 1965 and yesterday, you know, had this phone at some point. You know, yeah. they still make they still make the fucking thing. It looks a little different now, but but it's in every other preschool on the face of the planet. Yeah, because it's, it's indestructible. It's a it's a recognizable, totally innocuous thing that would normally give you pleasant memories. Like, oh, I had that when I was little. And but but he managed to make it. Oh, OK, I guess in certain contexts, this could be this could look creepy. And I think that's you know what makes this work. But if you know, if, if you're not like, mm, I don't know, then don't waste your time. There's is, yeah. we, we are in a, a horror Renaissance right now. It could not get any better. Yeah. And so, you know, watch the other 10 gajillion things that are floating around out there. Don't yeah, watch yeah. something that, you know, your heart, you're not going to like for the, for the express purpose of complaining about it. That, that pisses me off. Yeah, that don't engage with it to hate it. I, I just I don't think that's something like if that you find yourself hating it, time. that then you'll know. But uh, just going into it with the sourest of uh, intentions is not going to help. That does evoke a memory of Oliver at a certain point. I think he was five. He came to us and said, "No more cars with faces." <laughs> <laughs> if, if I, I like cars i like i like cars but i don't i don't want planes and cars with faces <laughs> i mean you know what I, I i i get that i don't like this thing like the fucking modok i i i don't like <laughs> big heads with tiny bodies that that's just like mm, no no modok's mm, mm, awesome <laughs> i i do Modoc. uh my 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 ex husband, who's a good friend of mine, I he saw it, and I made I asked about the little the shot of like Modoc's bare butt because uh -huh. <laughs> I haven't seen Ant Man yet, and uh, and he's like he's like he's like oh you only set up like a split second. I'm like fuck. Let me see that finder. I was gonna say I was hoping there was like extended shots of his tiny little bare butt. <laughs> Um, yeah, I we're we are just being flooded with so much great um, horror content right now. There's that. Have you seen the previews for Swarm on Amazon? <laughs> no, but I've heard I've heard I've heard good things. Oh god, it looks so fucking good. I just cannot wait. It just seems right up my goddamn alley. So, uh, and it's like that with like Yellow Jackets is coming back. All the we're getting so much. Just enjoy what you can enjoy, and don't worry about bandwagoning anything necessarily. Um, and like we're just we're in it, and we have been for a while now. It's just yes, there's been some years that are better than others. That's true of anything, but we've had quite a fucking run. Like people are doing a lot of interesting things in this sphere, and so. I, I think it's it's worthy of everyone's time and attention. Um, I think that's true. Skidamarink, um, it has eyes in it. Um, so that just about does it. Uh, I'd say let's choose our own death venture, but we never, people just fucking disappear. So it's a choice between disappearing, 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 and, and staying in a house with one eye left. I, I don't know. <laughs> 
no one's getting out of that house alive, I, I don't think, but there's really no representation of it. So we'll just skip that for today and uh, say that Josh Hollis does all of our artwork. Uh, go to joshhollis.com for what he does, which is pretty damn cool. And then go to uh, Revenge Body Memphis at bandcamp.com to get this theme and all of our remixes. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about movies and television at thespool.net. Uh, that's where you can find my review of Skinamarink. Uh, other horror movies I have written about there recently uh, include, um, I did a, a, a kind of primer on watching Possession, the mm-hmm. uh, the the very, very disturbing uh, 1981 horror movie with Sam Neill and Isabella Gianni. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a newsletter, which I've also written about Skinner Marink. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this movie a lot, which, which like, again, like, that to me is, okay, this was actually a, a good movie if I'm yeah. thinking about it weeks later. Uh, but that is GinaWatchesThings.Substack.com. And finally, I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can find us on all the socials at Kill by Kill Pod. And of course, uh, we have the Facebook group, which is uh, super fun. It's private, though. So you got to ask to join. And uh, we have a lot of fun over there. We've got a private chat by chat channel for you to talk with fellow Kill by Kill fans and myself as well um, when we're into it. And that, and of course, go over to Patreon where we are doing uh, listener choice episodes and we are also doing commentaries. We've done all of the Halloween movies and also we're going through the Friday the 13th movies. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue when we see you next because now we are into the Ides of March, everybody. Uh, When we talk to you next, we will be reviewing the newest movie, Uh, out in theaters. That's right. We'll be talking about Scream 6, something I'm very looking forward to. I'm not going to put projections on it like I did Halloween Halloween Ends um, or Halloween Kills for that matter, but I am sort of hoping that this occurs over the course of one single night, and this is The Warriors via Scream. That's how I think this is going to go, Gina. That that would be great. And, and I can do, I can hopefully do, even though it's almost certainly not actually filmed in New York. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can do, I can hopefully do for, for this, what you did for the Halloween movies with the Pasadena area. <laughs> I would love for that to happen. Or the Universal Backlot, my other backyard. Um, totally. Uh, so we're very, usually we're not able to tell you what we're going to do next because we don't know, but... Uh, Scream will be coming out at the uh, next week. Uh, And so um, we won't be able to, it'll come out on Friday. So we can't get it out on that Friday because no one's inviting us to cool preview screenings, but someone can start to do that if they want. Um, And uh, so the next kill by kill, we'll be talking about that. And then the very next week we'll be discussing uh, a very racist episode of murder. She wrote (laughs) night of the tarantula. (laughs) which turned out to be a wild fucking episode. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, But that does it for now. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.